All right, gentlemen, the podcast engine has started. Whenever you're ready to drive the podcast, Dennis. All right, let me just buckle my seatbelt. And welcome to Angel Virgin. Usually we're spoiler-free Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast, but we're going to be doing a lot of heavy lifting because we're going through Angel Season 3, Episodes 14, all the way to 22. I'm your host, cartoonist Dennis St. John. Why don't the rest of you guys introduce yourself with how you react when the girl you like starts making her SO dress exactly like you? <laughs> Hi, my name is Travis, and I'm going to take a really contrarian view. I think that's great news, right? Because that's like a yeah. validation of who you are, right? So it's not that you had a problem. It's just that I think that, she, that, that your ex would have a problem. So I think it's actually very reassuring if your ex picks up a new partner that looks exactly like you. I'm trying to imagine anybody uh, making my fashion choices on purpose. <laughs> that, uh, that feels strange. Somebody being like, I want to look exactly like this. You know, the, instead you're, of it being just a haphazard. The girl is like telling her SO like, no, you need to find your clothes in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, this is an off the podcast cut. Hey, hey. No, no, no. That's fair. That's, that's totally fair. Uh, I only some of my clothes are from the trash right now. No, that's not true. They're from thrift stores. I don't. I don't get clothes out of the trash because they usually have wet or food on them. If and that's gross. That grosses me out. Right. If you wanted wet socks, you would find them in the trash. Totally. If that was your thing. Yeah. Oh, dude. Speaking of socks, dude. The, I found the best like life hack for socks, which is uh, I found this military surplus place that will sell you black wool combat socks. And it works out to a pound fifty per pair of socks as long as you buy them in increments of twenty-five. <laughs> and they're great. They're they're like wool. They last, like they're super comfy. They last like a really long time. I imagine they seem really tough. I just got them, so I don't know if they last a really long time. I have replaced all of my socks with identical black wool combat socks. Oh. Sounds like super a great hack. I get all my <laughs> socks for free as long as I don't mind having Snoopy on them. Dude, that's yeah, amazing. I also, like, I'm like. <laughs> That's cool. That is amazing. I'm adamant that my socks be identical to each other across the board because I cannot be bothered to find the like the mate for a sock. I think my life got better the day I decided that I am not allowed to have nice socks and they just all need to be 100% uniform, black socks. That's it. Well, you can have nice socks. They just have to be all the same brand. Yeah, exactly. They have to all be identical. Exactly. Yeah. Who else is on this podcast? Hey, what's up? My name's Michael. I'm the Virgin. I've only seen Angel up to all of season three at this point. And yeah, I guess I don't, I, I think it's inevitable to see your significant other, I guess your ex rather, you know, finding someone that looks like you. Isn't that kind of how it works? You're kind of into a type, right? And then having them dress like you? I don't know. They can go, can go all, all the way if they want. <laughs> All right. What, what what even was that question about? The only way to know is to hear a summary for a bunch of episodes all in a row and find out what we're reviewing. The summary. Great. Well, I had to watch all these episodes, so, you know, here we go. This is Angel Season 3, Part 3. So starting with Episode 14, which was Couplet. This is the episode where Fred and Gunn track down a tree demon... Cordelia needs a potion to have sex with the Grusalug without transferring her visions and other stuff. But that that's like a high level of couplet. In episode 15, Loyalty, 
Wesley goes down the rabbit hole of Connor-related prophecies and realizes something must be done about that baby. Episode 16, Sleep Tight. This is the one where Wesley kidnaps Connor. Sajon opens a rift to Cortooth. Cortoth? And then Holtz runs into the portal with Connor. No one else allowed in. In episode 17, Forgiving, Angel kidnaps Linwood, and then they fail to open a portal to Cartoth. And then we kind of learn Sajan's insane plan for prophecy fabrication. It gets revealed, and Sajan is captured by Justine in an urn. And then Angel attempts to suffocate a recovering Wesley. I think all those details are important. That's why I'm going to read them. Episode 18, Double or Nothing. We learned that Gunn traded his soul for a truck. I mean, a super cool truck. But he was in bad, he was in bad space when he did that. <laughs> Episode 19, the hotel is infested by demonic slugs from Rift, obviously. Episode 20, A New World. Connor returns. And boy, does he. He's a teenager now. I don't know what's going on. Episode 21, Benediction. <laughs> Holtz insists that Connor rejoin Angel, that they should be alongside one another, and then has Justine kill him. Holtz has Justine kill him to make it look like it was a vampire, which is a very weird plot twist. And then episode 22, <laughs> tomorrow, Angel and Cordelia plan to meet to discuss their feelings, but they get waylaid as Angel gets captured and then, yeah, like put into a box and then thrown underwater by Connor and Cordelia ascends to heaven, question mark, and Lorne moves. So like a very... Very weird end to this season. (laughs) (laughs) Man, you ain't kidding. All right, let's get into it. Let's do Great Lines. Great Lines. And I picked the line from Double or Nothing. Leprechauns don't exist, son. I just really loved. This is a consistent thing in the Buffyverse that pretty much everything exists except for leprechauns. I enjoyed Fred dealing with the fact that Charles sold his soul for a truck, and she goes, not this truck. Oh, Charles, your soul wasn't worth air conditioning? (laughs) (laughs) My great line is from when uh, Layla and Wesley hook up. Lila. Lila, excuse me. Lila and Wesley hook up. She says, like, as she's getting out of bed, don't go thinking about me when I'm gone. And fucking Stone Cold Dark Wesley is like... I wasn't thinking about you when you were here. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> it's really, really dark and gross. <clears throat> yeah, nihilism, Wesley. It's a whole thing, man. Yeah. <laughs> One of mine was uh, when the Grusalog was talking about repainting Connor's room. And he said, I like this pomegranate color. And then Angel's like, what? And then, and then but the prom- Grusalog couldn't pronounce pur- purple. He called it purpla. There he goes. Pomegranate was my mother's name. (laughs) That is an excellent joke. I laughed out loud at that one. Yeah, it was so goofy. All right, let's see some questions. Questions for the group. Do you think that Angel and Buffy ever just take a moment to talk about having supernaturally aged teenagers? I mean, it's just weird. Should. <laughs> what a weird coincidence. They're both dealing with this. Maybe they could exchange tips, you know. Well, I mean, if, I, I oh, would agree with you. There's that. like a brief period in time where they would have this conversation, but that time is over at the end of season three. 
you don't think he could call from? Yeah, I, I guess mean, he does have his cell phone, right? Oh my god! I mean, we are in like Roadrunner Wiley Coyote territory at the end of season three. <laughs> I mean, with Angel at the bottom of an ocean, we presume, <laughs> and Connor, uh, you know, got the best of him. You know, mm-hmm. just well. It's 2003. Maybe they have a little thread on each other's Friendster pages about it. <laughs> I mean, how is Angel updating his Friendster? <laughs> yeah, he's probably relying on Wesley to do that. And once uh, Wesley betrayed him, like he's yeah. just there's no updates since then. Probably it's just like misspelled all caps <laughs> Wesley, uh, and then like nothing else afterwards. <laughs> Speaking of the internet, not really a question so much as a guessing game. Guess who Connor's top three pairings are in the fanfiction world on Archive of Our Own. So who are the top three characters that are the most stories about Connor having romantic relationships okay, with? Okay, can I guess? Who do you think? I will yeah, say guess. Angel, his, his dad. Don, because they're age appropriate. And Cordelia. You are shockingly close, Dennis. <laughs> You are shockingly close. So, yes, you're correct. The the number two most common pairing for Connor is Angel, which is gross, but predictable, given the internet. The number one most common one is Dawn. You're absolutely right, which I was surprised by. But, uh, yeah, Connor Dawn. But the number three I thought was even more surprising is Connor Spike. Oh, weird. I wouldn't have thought of that pairing. I wouldn't have thought of it either, and apparently several people have. I bet the internet is obsessed with Spike being intimate with, with every single character. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, that's probably true. The third one is yeah, Spike. It's yeah. Spike slash yeah, everyone. So it's like really, yeah, really you need to like, like, if you want to catch like who the unusual Connor pairings are, you got to like subtract 20% from Spike or something. Yeah, you should, yeah it'd be interesting to do some kind Always of like, subtract um, 20% control the, spi- the Spike uh, factor, the Spike analysis. adjustments. Yeah. It's literally yeah, a I was spike. actually thinking about this. Uh, I was looking at whether or not Archive of Our Own has a good API where you can try to pull some of these statistics and like, try to try to do some analysis on them, but I don't think it's a very straightforward thing to do. John, I'm so sorry. Yeah, that's too bad they don't have their own API. Maybe but we you can... can you can search to exclude mentions of Spike, right? You could you could exclude a character. Yes, yes, I can. I can. St- yes, yes, you can. You can search for stories and exclude specific pairings, which is handy when some pairings are gross. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to know what the number four one was because I just you got to discount the Spike. Because it's not it's not inspired, you know what I mean? Right. Here's my question. So how long were Connor and Holtz in the demon universe? I think they say, and like Holtz is surprised that so little time has passed on Earth. And he, I mean, he looks deeply sad. He doesn't even want to look at a newspaper. <laughs> it's like been a few days or something. Him wearing his Christopher Lloyd old man makeup. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it seems like it's been, I mean, Connor was a baby going in and now he's right. a teenager. The max teen age would be 19. He's old, right? Like 18, 19? Yeah. I think he's like 17, right? That was my read on it. I don't know. I don't know where I got that number so from, Something though. like that. Yeah, it's been it's been between 16 and 19 years. Okay, and then right. maybe a week? Two weeks? Yeah. And also, so what is the what do they eat for food in that universe? Yeah, also, Connor is literate. Like, he can read the letter that Holtz gave him. <laughs> so, which means Holtz taught him to read... But taught him to read with what? There's no books? Like, did, did Holtz have to, like, I was just thinking about this. Like, Holtz is, like, a Christian, so did he, like, Clay remember the entire Bible and, like, write it down and then teach him to read using his handwritten Bible? And does Connor, therefore, have a really hard time reading anybody else's handwriting other than Holtz? Because that would be the only 
written material he'd have access to. I don't know. I mean, it's got to be a a crappy education because Holtz is already a time traveler taking a kid to another dimension. Right. I mean, there's no way that Connor's prepared. Of course, we see that Connor's not prepared for this world. I mean, he's chasing cars, you know? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) What was that? like a uh, dog. (laughs) What was that that Jim Carrey movie where he was like in a... Everyone like... God. Truman Show? What's that? We're like at the the Truman Show, right? He, this guy got like yeah. Truman showed by a 17th century psycho. Like, <laughs> like he, he's been taught a weird version of reality, but not, yeah. not really the Truman Show. But it's like, I mean, we yeah, don't really know what Cortoth looked like. We know it was hell yeah. dimension and stuff, but I mean, to me, it wouldn't be a proper hell dimension without the Bible floating around, you know? Uh, Zing. And they make a joke. Finally, is a hell dimension, right? Like, yeah. Yes. I mean, they throw around the yeah. word hell dimension like it's you know salt. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't have to worry about their blood pressure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm concerned about Connor's upbringing. I mean, we just get into Connor and like he everything's a discovery for him. I mean, we'll get into this, I guess, when we talk about best worst episode. But Connor's a, a weird character. Yes, to say the least. So my question is, Gunn sold his soul at age 17. What is the age of consent for selling your soul? Oh, it's a good call. I think he was 17 when he did it. but He said so, yeah. He said he was 17. That's a good question. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So it doesn't look like anyone's got an answer for the age of consent for selling your soul, which is fine. Any yeah, but it does seem fine, like there right? should be one, right? Like, it does seem like there should because if otherwise it would be everybody would be going around harvesting up the souls yeah. of like five year olds because you'd be like, I'll give you a blow pop. souls for candy, and then they would just have a soul. Yeah, it would be really it's easy, like stealing um, a soul from a baby. <laughs> yeah, so the, clearly there is some kind of age cutoff. We just don't know what it is. Or shockingly, it's seventeen or less. <laughs> It may be 17, yeah. Okay, in episode in episode 17, Forgiving, Angel goes to see a supernatural being, this little girl, who actually I really like as a character. I actually like her acting. I know that probably irritated some of you, but in, it's called The White Room. And was there an obsession in the early 2000s with metaphorical, like, white rooms where there's no detail? Like, it feels like that was a thing in The Matrix, right? Yeah. But did, did other things... Yeah, it was in the Matrix. What else was it in? I was think it you're just totally like a right new that technique a that, that couldn't have been done. Like it was a mega green screen effect that hadn't been, that you couldn't do before. Well, I, I just you know if you step into any studio, they usually have their default background is a white psych. So let's say you hire a production designer who has um, let's just say no time to produce a set, and the world has already agreed that the white set can be a void. Like I'm I'm using this white set 99% of the time that we need a, a void sequence. Like, it's just for simplicity's sake. Interesting. I, was it a... I thought that the way that they uh, accomplished the white background was that they green-screened it and then replaced it with white. I thought I read, I read that somewhere. That to me, it looked it. like a green-screen effect. Right. I mean, was... you could do it either way, but just the default would be a white psych. Yeah. A green-screen might be easier. It, you know, it's very similar to, to color correct just for white is easy because yeah. of the way colors work. Right. Yeah, either way, but I, I definitely it's a phenomenon that we witnessed a lot. At least, I mean, the Matrix comes to mind, but is there something else, or is just the Matrix so overwhelming that it, like there definitely is something else? I just can't think of what it is right now. Yeah, I don't know. I spent all my prep time listing tree monsters, so I didn't. I didn't think about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the shadow of the Matrix weighs heavy on the early aughts, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, for sure, cool. yeah. 
The same way, like, what, five years later it would be Lord of the Rings. This is like the Matrix this time. Oh, what did the Lord of the Rings bring to sci-fi? Uh, it brought, like, the huge group. Let's have the overwhelming swarm happen, you know? Oh, right, swarms of monsters. Yeah. Okay, here is a list on allthetropes.fandom.com. Films that use the white void. THX 1138, of course. The Matrix. Men in Black. Bruce Almighty. The film Nothing, which I've never heard of. Mr. Stitch. Sky High. Midnight Radio. Oh, sorry. Hedwig, Hedwig and the Angry, okay. Angry Inch. Yep. In the Midnight Radio song. That was uh, early 2000s as epic. well. Epic. The end of 2001 A Space oh. Odyssey. Oh, yeah. Everyone's yep. ripping off that originally then. And then it, and then it becomes a yeah. Matrix rip. Um, oh, yeah. Kubrick did it, so... The, and some other things I haven't heard of. All right. That's what's listed here. Can we just interrupt with questions when we have them? Because I, I know yeah. there's going to be more. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Speaking of more questions, let's do some uh, questions for the doctor. So, like, Wesley is bleeding out for, like, two entire episodes. <laughs> like, homeless guy finds him, throws him back into a bush. And he, like, he stabs so bad that he passes out. So, like, he's... Mm-hmm. How does he not bleed out after, like, two weeks of bleeding, right? Yeah, at first I was, I remember thinking it was, it was kind of unrealistic, but actually, I think it's somewhat, it's, it, it could be realistic for sure. Absolutely. Because in his case, I mean, it, it's possible that, well, I mean, the, 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 the thing that's a little inconsistent is it was the amount of damage to his trachea, like where, where I think they, they said his trachea was cut. That, that requires a lot of force. <laughs> right. That really does. And, and you really can't, the way she did it very quickly, so that one's kind of inconsistent. But you definitely can have, so what it, what it looked like happened was that he had like an asymmetrical laceration more on the left side than the right. So missed his right carotid artery, right jugular vein. And so what it looks like is that he just had a laceration of what, what keeps him alive is that it was just a laceration of his jugular vein, not his, not his carotid artery. That would, what would keep you alive. But the thing that bugged me was that there should be a, a lot of blood on the ground. Like that, <laughs> they walked around the park, you know, Angel and Co. And it's like, dude, there shouldn't have been like a mystery. There was, like, there should be a ton of blood. There should be a pool of blood on the ground. Yeah, like, especially uh, for Angel. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm less surprised about this now, and I'll tell you why after the podcast is over. Um, but I think it's, I think it's, it could totally, it could be totally accurate, except for the the trachea injury. But I'm sure, you know, I would give him antibiotics too in the hospital, and and he needed a surgery to to sew up that laceration. But he would have been in the ICU. So that's the one thing that didn't make sense. Like you don't just, anyway. So I think it's, I think it's okay. I think it's okay. But he could definitely lay on the ground for a couple hours and go into shock. And yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was brutal. Related neck wound question. Yes. So Holtz has two fang holes poked in his neck with a knife. So the knife that Justine uses is like a big hunting knife. Did it bother anybody else that she's able to make these little pinprick holes with this massive knife? And also, like, if you did make little pinprick holes in someone's neck like that, would that kill them? This man no. is 200-something years old. <laughs> <laughs> Going down the stairs will kill him. Yeah, yeah, he's like an old balloon, John. He's done. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I mean, no, because, you know, he'll form a clot where those, where those stab wounds are. I mean, 
it's just not large enough for the for for you to have a like a persistent exsanguination like just the size of it what if after poking him justine squeezed him really tight (laughs) what they should have done which would have been crazy is it would have been cool would be if they had like like giant medical a central line kit like a special medical kit where where you're supposed to put a uh, iv in someone's carotid vein and and so if you if you put a large enough needle into somebody's carotid artery they will they will bleed out right so what they could have done what would have been really cool would be basically get these needles take off the back so that there's no so that the blood can simply flow and jab two right into his carotid artery and then you'd see the blood spurting out and that would be like that's how you fake someone that, that's how you fake a vampire bite if I ever want to kill somebody and make it look like a vampire attack, I know who to go to for help. <laughs> the cops won't, cops won't suspect us. They'll be looking for a vampire. <laughs> Great. If there's like a vampire-related like sadistic killing somewhere, they're going to like come finger me for it. I'm like, no. <laughs> Great. It's Dr. Acula. Yeah, Dr. Acula. No, he doesn't think... He makes house calls, um, <laughs> but you've got to invite him in. Anyways, so my, my, my pet peeve, since no one asked me this question. Um, <laughs> yes. When Angel, when Angel in, takes his little baby to the doctor, the, the, the pediatrician is like listening to the baby's heartbeat and all this thing. And Angel's just like, you know, stream of consciousness questions. And it's just like, dude, he has the stethoscope. He is listening to, to something else. He cannot answer your, <laughs> your questions right now. You can't. Don't talk. Just don't talk when they don't put the set to go on when they need to know more information. It's like, right? Was anyone else like triggered by that? No, no, no. it just seems like the, <laughs> you know everything's probably fine, and the doctor's just wasting time to learn more about your diagnosis or whatever your concerns. And but that stuff. you know that's good hospital manners to know, Trav. So now I know. Yeah, yeah. I never, th- I never thought about that. Well, I mean, what was? <laughs> I mean, they have all, so many digital tools. This is a doctor not trusting his instrument if he has to go in with a, you know, a hard piece of metal and figure things out. I mean, doctors aren't really people. They're sort of just like an institution when you talk yeah, to them. So, like, I'm pretty sure time. that they can they can hear what I'm saying while they're listening to other things. They're part of the problem. <laughs> but I guess this no. maybe gets us to another problem of like talking like while people are doing their jobs. <laughs> And, but also, like, uh, they're familiar with their jobs. Like, you know, when you're at the stylist, right? And they're, like, doing your hair. And you're just like, talk, talk, talk. I'm sure they're going to do a great job if I, you know, their conversation's part of their job. Yeah. But it'd be hilarious to learn stylists are like, no, actually, uh, it makes me, I'm constantly messing things up when I have to yeah. think through this thing. I think yeah. that there should be some kind of app to help the people, the, the, the stylists who don't want to talk to the people who would like to have their hair cut and also not talk. Because one, one of the reasons I avoid the barber is I do not want to deal with the stranger interaction. Like How you doing, mate? <laughs> like, <he> just like... <laughs> hey guys, it, looks, it looks like we've added a new category. It's best and worst couple. I'm excited to hear I, I wanted this. to add this category because I thought that this season is all about coupling. And there's all of these weird couple combinations that they come up with. There's, you know... Cordelia and Grusalog, Cordelia and Angel, there's Wesley and Lila, there's, you know, all of these, like, you know, there's Fred and Gunn and blah, 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 goes on and on and on. So I wanted to say my best couple, 
is Wesley and Lila because not that they're like a good couple. It's obviously an incredibly gross and destructive relationship. They shouldn't do it. But I think that that plot is one of the better plots this season and it doesn't get very much attention. The idea of Wesley being sort of like seduced because he doesn't, not because he wants to be, not because he finds anything interesting about her or about Wolfram and Hart, but because he just doesn't have any support structure anymore. Like that's a really good, that's a really nice bit of story that could have been more interesting and they didn't ever spend any time on it. And I wanted more well, of that. They, that's one of the things I, mean, I wanted more of. There might be more. We don't know. There might be more. I mean, yeah, clearly it's leading to something. I just, I think. Oh, even, is it leading to something that doesn't have to? I mean. Honestly, to be perfectly honest, I cannot remember what happens in season four. I haven't seen it in years. I don't remember what happens. <laughs> the worst couple is Angel and Cordelia, but that is going to be my rant later in this episode. So I'm not going <laughs> to talk about it here, but I don't like okay. Angel and Cordelia as a couple. Well, I mean, it, I just saw this category pop up. So worst for me was Sonny and Connor. I loved the I way... I forgot about that one. Yeah, well, well, it's just, you know, Connor <laughs> saves Sonny this drug addict's life when he first shows up in Los Angeles. And, like, it's a crazy scene, series of scenes that ends with Angel getting shot by cops, right? So it's like, this is a weird, twisted world that Connor stumbles into because it's peak 90s L.A. And, like, <laughs> crime is out of control. Yeah. But yeah, so Connor and like Sonny, it's kind of a sweet moment at first because Connor is very vulnerable, doesn't understand the rules, gets introduced to like, you know, I guess sweets, like whatever garbage food that Sonny's eating. And, you know, total he's like totally nude, like without thinking about what that means. And they kind of make out like something might happen. And then she's within that same scene because it's like, hey, guys, this is not the direction of the show. We need to kill this immediately. <laughs> she ODs on heroin and like, Literally has the needle in her veins. Funniest moment in that sequence is like when she's explaining that a spoon's not for eating. Uh, <laughs> it's just like the darkest post-apocalyptic world that you could have stepped into from your hell dimension. <laughs> I do like the drug dealer that Connor kills. How he's like, you know, I just rape girls in my car. But I have these like four giant yeah. muscle men hiding behind Around the, the bridge. Corner at like times. at all times. Like, it's like what is that dude's like job description i hide behind a bridge just waiting for my boss <laughs> just so i can intimidate teenagers i actually kind of liked how like i actually liked the actor but it was terrible at times yeah who is that yeah. the direct the the actor he's like a familiar like drug dealer character he right? looks so familiar well if, i mean his office is essentially an alleyway which means it's a free space for him to use but you just have to pay for security in order to make it your office, right? So yeah, <laughs> that's business, Polly. You're welcome. I could be paying two thousand a month in rent, but now I'm only paying fifteen hundred dollars a month for this muscle. Like, yeah, it makes sense. It's good math. That's business. Uh, I, and then best relationship here was um, Angel Cordelia. This long time coming weirdness, but then it doesn't even come to fruition in this season. So this is just, I'm anticipating this for a long time now. It seems like a good pairing, but now I don't know. I literally don't know. With, you know, Cordelia going to heaven. And I, I want to ask, but I know that that's kind of like an unfair ask. Like, what's up with Cordelia? Where's she going? <laughs> Where's she going? <laughs> Wait, Elsa, Skip is here. That's amazing. But Skip's like, it's your time, honey. Like, what? Time to die? <laughs> but, yeah. Time to go it's, to a higher plane, right? They said a yeah. higher plane. Right, to become the yeah, powers of It is fear. tough that, like, like we just can't... We're spoiler-free, so we just can't talk about some stuff that's happened because of how much it's, like, just a setup, right? 
Sorry, so, Mike. <laughs> so for for me, my best, my worst couple was, I, I agree, Sonny and Con are terrible. But since you already covered that, <laughs> Gru and Cordelia is kind of a worst couple because the intentions of Gru is very different from the intentions of Cordelia. And it feels like, honestly, Gru, Grusalug was being used by Cordelia. Yeah, big time. It is not an equal relationship and right. it's highly problematic on a lot and of levels. And that's not a critique of the show you're making. Like, that's the point, right? Like, that, that's the point the show is making is that this is a, a, a doomed relationship because they are not in it for the same reasons. I think that's treated with some pretty big kid gloves. I, I don't think they're, I don't, to me, it doesn't feel like the show is making, really reckons with that relationship. Hmm. Because if, if it was a, not a good relationship, there would have been more, more consequences. I mean, she, she just kind of goes to heaven. Uh, but, but anyways. Uh, I mean, one thing I really like, and I, I wrote this later and then I deleted it. I do really like when Gru really, fi- when the Gru slug really figures out what's going on in the relationship and he really figures out Cordelia loves Angel and I'm this weird substitute. He has the emotional maturity to call her on that and to break it yeah. off and to leave. I right. respect the hell out of that. Yeah. You know? I mean, that only happens in fictional world. In reality, you're like, oh, I see what's going on. I'm going to just milk this until it breaks my heart, I guess. Yeah. Uh, in, yeah in real life, this <laughs> process takes about five years. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And my best couple, of course, is, is Fred and Gunn, which is yeah. very sweet. Yeah. Fred and Gunn. They're your OTP, sweet. buddy. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what that means. It's a <laughs> one, one true pairing, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I still don't know that reference but i'm gonna roll with it i'm just trying to use uh internet slang okay uh, I'm, i guess i'm happy they kind of got back together after you know gun broke them up right to like throw the relationship away in order to i guess avoid the consequences from the soul deal he made that was coming due but like that's a i, I mean narratively we're on gun's side but like if you're at all empathetic to Fred, that's a crazy series of events. And like, but I guess Fred's life's already been crazy, so it's fine. Yeah. But like, that's well, and also that... Fred's smart enough to figure it out and stuff. Like, I like they're such a weird couple that they're like that they like when they go to the drive-in together and they're like with Angel and Connor, but they can still be having this like romantic relationship that's not like <laughs> you know yeah. like they can be on this. That like, is a weird vibe on that date. This <laughs> we, this weird double date, but it's okay because their relationship outwardly can just be about food and like I love that this woman eats popcorn so much. Like yeah, the food thing is weird because it keeps coming back with like it like Gun makes this big deal out of how much he likes that she eats food and like the first couple times you're like oh that's kind of cute, but then like after a while it, it, after it comes up like the third or fourth time I'm like is this like a fetish for you of like watching women eat large amounts of food? Is this just like a thing you're into? Is that an archive of our own? <laughs> <laughs> that's what Gunn wants to see he just wants to see like a half hour video of Fred eating I mean I don't want to kink shame Gunn but you know it seems strange because she is very thin and yet there's this obsession with making her eat which can be read as a really negative uh, uh, yeah. obsession well it's also what's well, his it's his go to actually yeah. uh, when he wants to make up an excuse to break up with her is he calls her a stick figure um, oh god I don't know I mean, it's I kind know. of this weird yeah, reverse weird. bulimia shaming thing. I mean, they're yeah. really focusing on the fact that she's not this t- suffering from the typical body image quirks of most women her her size and yeah. shape. Yeah, right? I mean, I think that's but, yeah. I think that's the actual like sort of like 
I don't know, body politics. Of and so thing, with the Whedon verse, like... you just reverse those and you reward the yeah. opposite. And we're, we're in positive yeah. territory, folks. Yeah. It's real easy to give her this positive message about eating as long as she remains really thin, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's like kind of a, that's the kind of screwed up, like, I think, underbelly of that interaction. But I do, I do love after he does that, she goes back and tries to explain to the group about how he's in danger. And they're all just saying, oh, okay, it sounds, sounds like you broke up. <laughs> all right. Let's do best and worst of episodes. So I picked two for both. I did My best were Double or Nothing, the gun loses a soul episode. I super enjoyed that episode. Partially because it's like in the middle of all this like Connor baby drama. You're like, let's, let's have a gun episode. Let's see like... Yeah. This crazy casino story and a sell your soul story. I like a I like a good sell your soul story, you know. And then the price, which is also borderline a standalone episode. It's still part of the like overall drama, but I like it's. We've been in this hotel for what two years now, and this mm-hmm. is the first time we've really used the hotel setting. And like, we get to run around the kitchen and explore all these other crazy rooms, and it's to chase this like really spooky monster, which I'll talk about more. But I like. I don't know. It feels like a good horror movie of a of a setup. So I like those episodes. And then worst was really hard for me because um, there's a lot <laughs> a lot of contenders. <laughs> uh, but I picked a new world, which was like the like let's meet Teen Connor as he like CGI jumps on buses and stuff. And then couplet, um, which maybe it isn't really that bad an episode, but is also just not a great episode. I don't know. So that's what I got. Well, I actually agree with you, Dennis. I think that Double or Nothing and The Price being the most, like, sort of, like, one-shot, the closest we get to a one-shot episode in, in this batch are the most enjoyable ones. I chose Couplet as my best just to be contrarian good, because good. you had chosen it as your worst, and I didn't want to just repeat your choices. Just to stand up for Couplet, I think there's some fun stuff in Couplet. You got the monster tree, you get, there's some really nice Wesley Gunn interactions in the diner that are just really, really nice and enjoyable, I think are some of the best moments that they have as a couple. But my worst was forgiving and not for any particular, like you, Dennis, I had a hard time choosing which, which was the worst. I think my worst is forgiving because like what happens, and this is, I think, a problem maybe with the premise of this podcast, is that as we move on with both these shows, with, with Buffy and Angel, it makes less and less sense to talk about them as individual episodes because can, like increasingly there are episodes and ep- upon episodes where there's just their their only role of the episode is to play or, is to, to move the arc forward. Right. And that makes individual episodes really not memorable. So I chose Forgiving as my worst episode because I can't even remember what happens in that one. It just like it just inches all the plot points forward and nothing particular happens. Well, I disagree that nothing particular happens. I mean, I I choose Forgiving as my worst also, but because of the the Seijan fake prophecy reveal, where Seijan <laughs> is a time traveling <laughs> demon that made up a fake prophecy about Connor in order to get Wesley to give up the baby. And that's so fucking stupid. It's such a stupid (laughs) concept. Um, And it's like brain breaking to like have that reveal happen. Like, oh, I traveled through time and I made a fake prophecy. You're like, no, no. Because we just spent so many episodes worried about this stupid prophecy. And it just takes all the air out of the room, all the weight that they placed on this idea that the sun will... You know, the sun's going to be dangerous. Yes, the sun is actually dangerous, it turns out. But for the reasons that this prophecy stated, 
right? And that Wesley needed to get rid of this hot potato baby ASAP because it was going to cause so many problems in the future. And it's like they just burned that story completely and then went another direction. I, I was just irritated with this because Sejan's like, and then Sejan's so easily dismissed because it's like, oh, well, then he's the big bad. Then obviously this fake prophecy shit's crazy. But then like they just suck him up in an urn and he's gone. <laughs> and it's like, so Wesley is now completely alienated from the angel crew He's unredeemable because he gave up the baby. And totally, there's no way back for Wesley. You know, no easy way back without time travel or some shit. You know, it just burned up the crew in the process. So, like, I I hate forgiving because I don't forgive this episode for what it did to Wesley. (laughs) I I don't forgive it for just how, like, much it hurt to watch this episode. Like, it was so confusing. It's such a convoluted concept. And whatever, they spell it out clearly. It's not confusing like they literally state say john's like i made fake prophecies and like i'm not confused about what happened but i'm angry about it so this is a rant but i just yeah we're talking about forgiving i'm gonna rant about it here's here's what i wonder about with that Good rant. though is like if you make a fake prophecy inside a real prophecy like is it, is it not a real prophecy like if it's like a parchment where everything written and it comes true and you write something is it not a real prophecy then Apparently not. Apparently it's like it's just and If like, you there, erase like if you erase the prophecy that was about you, are you free from it? Yeah. Like and these questions just, that like, you're posing, Dennis, are already more interesting than the the amount of like what they did with that, right? Yeah. Which is just like Yeah, like you said, Michael. Well ah, and Saint Jan did it to they threw the prophecy in order to get this to get people off of him, right? Like to move yeah. the Move the cards around. But then Sajan's also responsible for bringing Holtz back from the past. So, like, he's this crazy time-traveling demon that's unkillable and has no physical form. And, like, that's a crazy character to have in this world. So he needs to be gone. I get it. Like, he's the big bad forever, you know? Like, t- being able to time-travel at will makes you incredibly dangerous. But anyway, I, I don't mean to get sucked into the Sajan story, but, like, he's the, the craziest demon that's the most strangely utilized in this season arc. Because he, yeah, he sets all this in motion. You know, he creates the portal that the baby goes through to the other dimensions. Like, it's all because of Seijan. Anyway, I assume he'll come back in season four. I would. I have a theory about Seijan. I'll get in my predictions. But I think Holtz might become Seijan. But, you know, anyway. That's, like, the only way my demented brain can explain him. And then the best episode, <laughs> and this was Couplet, right? Yeah, the tree. D- no, no, that's not mine. My best, was to- <laughs> my best is tomorrow. I don't believe that. Yeah, so I just love the way this ends. This is like such a downer, mm. you know, end of Empire Strikes Back kind of moment where everything's messed up for the crew and like everyone's going in different directions. Like, I love the potential of where this ends a lot because it's so unpredictable. The show broke all of my conceptions of what the show is. It broke apart the team. It tr- tr- turned Wesley against Angel Investigates, possibly. Fred and Gunner now a couple. and But now Fred and Gunner, Angel Investigates. So like, what's next? I mean, they have to track down angel now i mean are they going to everybody's missing right everybody they know lord is gone it's all them in this hotel i mean it's awesome i like where this leaves uh so much i'll say about about that episode it's written by joss whedon and david greenwald and directed by david greenwald and it's the last episode of angel that david greenwald is involved in he like leaves the show after this and he was the co-creator of the show so oh that's interesting it's a big like it's like a big change from the show going forward without him and i won't say anything else about what happens next but that's a big thing about this up okay so i guess i'm i'm doing my rebuttal for 
Best episode. The best episode really isn't forgiving, but I got to do my rebuttal and I got to pick something. <laughs> <laughs> so why is it cool that Sajan? Uh, why, why is it cool that Sajan uh, oh, uh, rewrites yeah. the fake prophecy? I had to think about this, but what I like the most is that Wesley, who's been so dependent on scholarship and and research and, and the idea that the books are going to help you help make the world better. The fact that he relies entirely on his research on the scholarship, but neglects the human aspect for himself, where he could, where he could read a situation and, and tell that Angel would never hurt his son. But because of his character and his upbringing and his sort of terrible upbringing where all that was, you know, focus on, on, you know, on, on that, that's what it seems like. And it causes him to fall from the Tower of Babel or whatever, like, you know, allegorical things or his ivory tower and be totally betrayed by the one thing he thought was true in the world. That's a really amazing character development, which is so great. So that's why I love that idea that, that you could be betrayed by something that you used to love and prize and, and center your whole value system around. Nowadays, I actually kind of, they totally did not anticipate this, but honestly, this this rewriting of true history is honestly very topical now because there's all kinds of, of untrue things that are out there in media. And it's like suddenly topical, right? People are saying all kinds of untrue things for their own particular ends. So that actually was kind of interesting, but that was totally unintentional. But, but I thought, wow, this kind of aged pretty well. And so you're, you're kind, we're kind of at a new point in time where you have to pick what you think is true and what you think is untrue, right? And, you know, having your own intuition about who do you trust for the truth? You can, you know, kind of forward that idea of, is this really true? So I thought right, that was man. cool. Strong touche. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. that's a deep read. Yeah. But I mean, I think like what I said, everything you said is like an analysis that if it, it should have been in the episode if they wanted, mm -hmm. like, you know, if you wanted it to be a good episode, put some of that in there. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's what's, what you can tell is left on the table. That's what I want to see Wesley struggling with. This idea of what is true and what, what of these books he's written that is also not true. Man, that, that's what you want to see him struggling with. You know, how, how is he going to find his way in this world when the thing he trusted the most betrayed him? That would be cool. So I like that. Wesley's character is infinitely fascinating and completely flawed. Totally flawed. And I, I won't go on anymore there, but the worst to me is the new world. And particularly because we see a new character growing up. This is when Connor comes back. We got a chance to make a fresh start. You only get one chance to make a new impression, right? So why do they, why is the costume for Connor just awful? His dialogue is just awful. His direction is awful. Vincent Kartheiser is a young man. So he's not as good of an actor then as he would be, you know, years later when you have more time to practice and perfect your craft. But I wouldn't necessarily call Vincent Kartheiser a bad actor. Something is terribly wrong with his direction and writing and costuming for his character, and it's just so sad. It's just so sad. But I don't know how you feel about him as a... Uh, I mean, it was just so underwhelming. You come from a different demon dimension, and you look... Like a, well, like, like you, a, a, yeah, a Renfair actor. Like you just, you know, you're in the crowd. Like a bad one. One yeah. that didn't have cool chainmail. There was nothing cool about that outfit. Yeah, no, he was, he was more Davy Crockett than anything. 
Uh, yeah, like a Pidea yeah. pig farmer kind of vibe. Yeah. It was bad. Yeah. I have it down as my one of my worst looks. Um, <laughs> but, I mean... Do, the do triple you, barrel, like, gun he's got on his arm. What the fuck is that, that is so Lost Boys. I mean, they make a joke about that. But yeah. it's very, it's very like, uh, hook. Yeah. Bang around. Yeah. Like, I feel like he belongs with that set of kids. It, but can you crow? <laughs> I mean, on, honestly, it looks like they, they went to the nearest high school. They went to Beverly Hills High and stole... The costume for Peter Pan. <laughs> I'm always, I mean, he's just, I'm also, whenever he shows up, I'm always like, and then Pete Campbell shows up. Like, <laughs> and I like him as Pete Campbell because he's like, but and, yeah, and, we'll get it. <laughs> and I, I would say, Dennis, is, is he like a decent actor? As yeah, Pete I Campbell? think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not because he's thing, untalented. But the, thi- the thing about yeah. Pete Campbell is he's an asshole that like. Yeah. The, he's the punchable. Sh- like, yeah. The show knows he's an asshole and like wants you to punch it like wants you to want to punch him for like six seasons. And like yeah. So there's like, good strong direction. There's yeah. good there's right Yeah. And this show doesn't like it's like they don't realize that he's punchable. Like yeah. they want you to be like, Oh, he's a teen heartthrob or something, but really he's like He's like season one Wesley Crusher. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the thing is he's not even teen heartthrob. He's well, he's got a look. But he's he's not a beefcake look. I mean, he's not he's not jacked. He's just skinny. It's like an Eddie uh, Furlong Cordelia kind of look. Yeah. Seven Wesley. Crusher yeah, he's totally being lifted Eddie other dimensions. Eddie Furlong T yeah. two kind of vibe yeah. oh, on totally. this kid. Well, yeah. I'm just I'm not getting the Eddie Furlong. Reference. I get it now. But then, like, yeah. he's also dressed and ready to like make it with a drug addict in an alleyway. So, like, you know, that's kind of the the world that he like they they naturally pair him with. Uh, dude, such a good call on that. Like, yeah, that costuming is awful <laughs> and the direction is <laughs> so random because connor is placed between like teen heartthrob and i mean they give him this morally ambiguous position to be in where he has to decide who his real father is right and what direction to go so like i don't know it's, it's an interesting character story to play but you're right the direction of like what he truly believes is unclear and then maybe we'll talk about the soul colonic and what that does at some point when cordy offers him i guess redemption and he seems to accept it. I forgot about that. Yeah. Because, like... That, That's uh, yeah. a major thing. It's a major power to have to just be able to res- reset your character, right? Yeah. And then what does it do? Yeah. I mean, that scene is kind of... That scene where, you know... Con- I was about to say his other name. Sorry. When Connor is, Steve. like... Steve. <laughs> Yeah, when he's like insulted by Lorne, or like rather Lorne's insult, he's insulting Lorne, right? And like do, saying all this random anti demon stuff to Lorne. And then like Cordy reveals she's part demon and then offers him like this embrace, essentially, like a motherly embrace. And then he's potentially cleansed of that. Of that. Uh, yeah, of racism. Is that what's cleansed? I mean. I do. I feel deep, like, the, the I feel like the most emotions I feel this in this thing are for Lauren and especially the thing at the end uh, in forgiving where he's like, I loved that kid, you know? And he's like, like how much it hurts to like have the kid you like, were going to be like a major part of his life. Like hate you because of what you are. I was like, yeah, again, the best things are underexplored. 
And also, like, Lauren totally deserves to leave because Angel Investigations has done nothing for him. They, like right. he points out, they have blown up his bar, like, three times. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, oh, shit. That's so funny. Yeah. And he, and he never, does so much for them. Yeah. Like, and he never wanted to be involved in this war against evil. He wanted to be a balancer. And right. He got wrapped up into this whole other thing that was not part of his calling. And I feel it. I feel for Lauren, man. And, and yeah. Lauren, on more than one occasion, is like, has asking to reopen his bar there. Remember when he when yeah. he was like, yeah. "Wow, we have this space." Yeah, <laughs> wouldn't it be great for Cartas to open up in that big space? That'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and he brings so many good character characters in too, right? And yeah, uh, yeah. the time jumping weirdo. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, learns the best. Speaking of more best, let's do best and worst of monsters. Okay, so I said the the Sluck, who is the demons from The Price, the creepy crawlies, yeah, the, the water, water bugs. bugs. They're very cool, man. Like, you you know, it's pretty rare for me to be like, I'm going to favor the CG monster over the practical effect one, but I think these guys are cool. I think it's cool when they possess people and they become infinite thirst monsters. I think that's great, and that effect is also done well. And, I mean, I know it's all hyping up for Connor, which is a letdown, but the, like, them hyping for a monster that's much worse is, like, a very cool, like, you know, they do that well. So that those ones are definitely my favorite. I also, even though we all trash except for Travis on the episode Forgiving, I do super love the drive through possession that happens. Oh, right. I kind of forgot uh, about that. Wesley goes to speak to, like, the higher being or whatever, and it possesses yeah. a drive through window, and it's, like... Ominous, giant ominous threats and warnings from this like hamburger face. Hey, that to me is mine. like don't take mine. <laughs> <laughs> How I'm many sorry. can you have? Oh, I'm sorry. All right, I'll stop. I'll stop. Jeez. Uh, I also like when Jenoff's head gets cut off in Double or Nothing. Amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. And then worst, I'm gonna say the unnamed demon tree for being. Only for being the only plant demon so far, anyway, in the whole Buffyverse. And only being okay. Because tree demons can be awesome. And I've made a whole list. And I was going to do it here, but maybe I'll do it as part of recommendations in any way. Of, like, ferocious... Tree demons. Ferocious flora. This is not a monster thing, but I just... We're going to talk about special effects. I wanted to have a quick chat about the bullet time thing that happens right after Connor appears. Like, like we've already, like, chat upon the costuming, but I also want to take a big dump on the uh, bullet time <laughs> effects because, like, bullet time was a huge thing in The Matrix in 1999. This is only, like, a couple years later, but it's already so played out and so, like... You can tell they're doing it out of almost like obligation. Like we have, like it's the way you do an action scene now because it's this year right. and this is what we have to do, and it's just so dumb. <laughs> Kicking the stakes out of the air and stuff—it's just really <laughs> stupid. Yeah, there's a lot of stakes to kick out of the air, too. Like with all this like Assassin's Creed type crap that Connor has. I mean, that's why he has the costume, right? The crappy costume because it's a hiding the fact that he's a dangerous killer. You know. Gosh, I guess for best and worst monster here, I think best, I'm going to say Justine is the best monster here. Because all she does is keep her mouth shut, you know? Like, she doesn't reveal, like, the truth about, you know, to Connor about what's going on with Holtz. So I think that's that's pretty awesome. And, like, there's that, I mean, it's not, the scene isn't that great, but when Angel and Connor team up to fight vampires in the bar, and, like, Justine's the bait and stuff, like, 
that scene has some good tension in it. Ultimately, it goes to the this weird like team up shot they want to get us to, where it's like, <laughs> wouldn't it be cool if? And you're like, whoa, yeah, actually, I'm, I'm kind of digging this scene. But yeah, Justine is just like this kind of creepy character that became a bigger and bigger threat through season three. She's just angry, uh, angry vampire hunter. <laughs> like, she's got scores to settle. I mean, and like the things Holtz is asking her to do. I mean, it's twisted. So I think she's she's a candidate for the best monster. And then worst for me is old Holtz. I mean, I'm just I'm super confused by his plan at this point, and I think he is too. He just knows he needs to get off this island, and over he's gonna do it with this like deliberately choosing to be killed in order to set in motion other events. Like that's a crazy out for him. And then like you're thinking for a second, oh maybe he's faking his death and he's not going to and then nope connor takes his head off so it's like nope that's there's no coming back from whatever this stunt is so old holtz his plans just fall apart at the end and i'm confused but i'm like along for the whole holtz ride as a viewer so like i have to see how this ends but i think holtz has like some fundamentally like problems with his plans and like they ultimately don't make sense to me which maybe they'll you know come to fruition in a season four i I think he he might be the worst monster like I think the show wants him to be a lot more scary and intimidating than he is. Instead, like, his plans come across, I think, as kind of more convoluted. All right. Yeah. yeah. I certainly agree. Okay, so my best was the... Ha- I called I called the hamburger god. I'm not sure exactly what... <laughs> what I really like about that scene is that the special effects still hold up really well. There are some moments that are kind of cheesy, but there are moments where they're doing this really cool neon effect that still look really, really good today. And I was just so thankful that it wasn't a terrible CGI effect because Lord knows those are littered around Angel. <laughs> yeah. But I really enjoyed that. And, you know, I, obviously I enjoy Wesley going, you know, going solo, going commando, you know, just doing his own thing because of where it takes him. So I thought that was very cool. It, was, it also was very funny, of course, when, I mean, LA is full of really weird people. Sorry, Los Angeles. But the, the fast food workers that leave leave the fast food establishment, that is probably not the first time someone has gone up to, to the hamburger person in the middle of the night and just started talking, and, and even though it was turned off. So I can only imagine how many times they've seen that before. So anyways, I thought that was very humorous, but I just Sorry. love that special effect. Mm, I just love neon, neon-lighted special effects, man. That, that's a trigger. I also like uh, Willow this season also was talking to like a drive through like yes. thing. So it's like a thing going on this this season of Buffy and Angel. In America, that's where the portals manifest. Drive through windows. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and then another one I loved was the actor that played the actor that got infected with the translucent lobsters. The translucent lobster demon as I call them. I loved uh, that actor was very was very good with the drinking and you know, we're thirsty. I thought that was very cool. Yeah. Worst. I've complained about so much, so I don't want to say my worst monster. <laughs> yeah. All right. Instead, let's move on to best and worst celebrity cameo. And I asked, does Vincent Carthizer count? I mean, yeah. Yeah. He does. He wasn't famous for anything else at this time, but sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to call it John Rubenstein, who is the guy who plays the Wolferman Hart boss, the new. Well, from heart, boss, he's a, a character actor. He's been in a number of things, but most importantly, he was in the Voyager episode, the 37s, which is the one where they find Amelia Earhart out in space. And he's one of the descendants of the people who've been abducted by the aliens, including Amelia Earhart, I guess, or whatever. 
however that works. Yeah, he's also in an episode, like a few episodes of Star Trek Enterprise, but I don't remember anything about that. I knew you were gonna. He, he was gonna be a Star Trek actor. The second. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on to best and worst character look slash work. Um, <laughs> always a c- category I find confusing, but I. We'll dive into. But we so, keep doing it because yeah. why not? <laughs> uh, so worst, we've already talked about this, but Connor's fresh from hell look. Boo! What is that thing? Um, yep. <laughs> a lot of hype for this dude, and then you know. But I also wanted to talk about how both Cordelia or, or Cordelia, Cordelia Connor and Angel all go blonde this season, and it's like, what the fuck is that about? That is weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, the Cordelia thing seems especially gross because it's like, what is Angel's type? Blonde. Right? <laughs> like, Angel is starting to fall in love with Cordelia. Better make her blonde. Um, <laughs> but, like, none of the, like, especially, like, a- David Boreanaz and Charisma Carpenter, like, blonde doesn't just isn't their him. look. Um, yeah, it doesn't look on any of them. Yeah, and then in terms of work, the best work, I think, a character does this season is Angel. the scene where Angel comes into... Wesley's hospital room reassures him like I know why you did it and I just want you to know like I'm not Angelus I would never kill my son like I'm Angel I'm Angel talking to you right now I'm gonna fucking kill you (laughs) (laughs) yeah I like that turn that's That's an amazing scene that scene is just so crazy on so many levels but 100% that's that's the high point for that look work My best character look, I guess, is uh, Nihilism Wesley. We already talked about Nihilism Wesley. He's a good bookend to uh, yeah. Anarchy Riley. But with he's got the, um, like, his, uh, the Nihilism Wesley, like, action figure comes with, like, the scar on his neck. And it also comes with, like, the sad, like, TV dinner that he has. <laughs> like, that's his accessory, I think. I mean, I think and, in terms of, like, characters who have changed the most, like, bumbling Wesley to Nihilism Wesley yeah. is, like, Yeah, major... and I think he pulled, like, like I think yeah. it's a... a, a uh, credit to the actor i think he really pulls it off i think my worst character i don't know if it's character work really but it's just like i think as a character that's not working is justine where i think that there the this show and this season has a lot of very boring and heavy-handed things to say about like revenge and vengeance and blah 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 and it's already said it all and yet justine is still here and so it's not clear why she's still hanging around i feel like she served her purpose She's gum in the works, man. Yeah, and just I'm done with Justine. I think the show is done with Justine. Like you don't need Justine and Holtz. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but Justine, uh, yeah, and they don't really care very much about Justine's story either. But she's yeah. there to help carry out Holtz's work. I mean, he's she. It's young Holtz as far as the show's concerned. All right, looks like I'm next. So what I really liked for the 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 look work was. At the beginning of, I believe it's episode 15, Loyalty, Wesley's having these amazing hallucinations while, he's, while he fell asleep at the hotel. And one of these hallucinations, his hand is on this book. And then all of a sudden there's this blood that's gushing out of the book and it's holding his hands. And it's just a great practical effect. And I know I'm kind of like obsessing over practical effects, but that effect looks wonderful today. And, it, and it's so fun. It's really fun. And that whole hallucination scene is so much fun. And I'm like, I love this. Give me 90 more minutes of this, please. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just love that scene. Uh, okay, that I, book is amazing. Yeah, I didn't mark anything here, but I think I like, I really do like Connor's scene 
with Sonny. I mean, it's kind of the worst scene, but I kind of love like Connor not knowing what a bra is and just like the un- unexpected, like his his knowledge of, you know, Earth or whatever, this other dimension is so limited or like possibly zero. So his like discovery of the world is actually really fun. I think that's the only direction that is clear for this character is that he's discovering stuff for the first time. And that's really, I always, I think I always like that in shows. It's kind of refreshing to get a sense of where a character is. Yeah, he's like super tough and he's got his vengeance figured out, but I think that's like good a good character work. So I enjoyed that. Yeah, it's interesting how they do fish out of water with Connor in a really different way than they do fish out of water with Gru, right? Where like Gru is, he doesn't know what's going on because he's from another dimension, but his, he's like this like wide-eyed puppy dog. Everything is wonder and amazement. And then like with Connor, it's like similar, but he's so much more cynical. I think that's kind of, I think it works for both. I think it's, that's what works about both those characters. Yeah, and like people forget that he's kind of, whatever he's got a vengeance streak going so you know like because when fred and you know gun are whispering back and forth about what's really going on with the holtz confrontation like they're not even aware that this guy could be listening like i don't know just I, I, that felt earned that felt right to me because they've they've started to trust him and that wide-eyed kind of approach to like the world like was actually a, a clever trick in some ways like it's a ruse for them like that they fell for a ruse, a clever ruse. Yeah, I mean, I believe that. I believe that they they fucked up and they shouldn't have been talking about, you know, Holtz. Yeah, poor Fred and Gunner, like terrible babysitters to this teenager. <laughs> it's not their fault. He's a mutant <laughs> with really good vampire hearing. Did we yeah. talk about vampire hearing? No, we didn't. Has that been established? Vampire hearing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. Right. I don't know. One other best character work, I think the actor who plays Holt has an awesome voice, and he does get away with some kind mm-hmm. of voiceover bits in this ep and like, oh no, in this arc. It's just got a good voice. It's like a good deep voice that really brings, I guess, like some supernatural horror elements to the show. And like, if he were to introduce every episode of the show with like, last time on Angel, like that would be just, it would just be fun. I don't know. I don't have a good use case fit for Holtz, but uh, I do like <laughs> if his he was voice. the Crypt Keeper opening the episode. Yeah, like if he was auditioned just based on his voice, I get it totally. Yeah, let's talk about best and worst of new characters. So I only had Warren one. It was worst, and it was Teen Connor. <laughs> Not super happy about Teen Connor. All right, <laughs> I don't think I need to go into it any more than we've already gone in. My worst is uh, one that Travis said he liked, and maybe it could be my worst monster as well, is the little girl that represents Wolfram and Hart in the white void. Like, I can see what they're going for with that. I think even if it had worked, it'd still be a little trite of like, oh, she's an innocent girl, but she's also a monster. But I like, and I mean, whatever, she's a child, but I don't think that that actress is pulling it off. <laughs> like, I don't want to be too hard on her. She's a little girl, but it just, nothing about that works for me. It just seems like, it just seems very <laughs> obvious what they're trying to do, and then they're not doing it. And then uh, my best uh, new character, I guess, not that there's a lot of characters competing. It's not a lot of new characters at all, but one of the better new characters is the uh, old monster married couple from Double uh, or Nothing. That they we are see really that, good, uh, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was a nice little thing. I would I would watch like a nice little side episode about their life together, like a little all in the family of yeah. demons. That was, they were good, and they were also good for showing like how much Gun has grown, that he's like... You know, yeah, he's not true. the demon hater he used to be. He likes these, these this old couple. He wants to help them. Yeah. 
Well, I'm gonna point. use my best words just for a shout out for Linwood Morrow and say he's he's a pretty good actor, and I I enjoyed all his scenes he's in because I think he really grounds the absurdity of how Angel's acting after you know he's trying to figure out how to open a dimension, or whatever, and maybe Linwood knows something, and like Linwood is a human. He's a wolf from the heart. He thinks the stakes are high and that there's going to be a lot of consequences, Angel. And Angel just like cuts him down so fast and just like, look, dude, no one cares about you. <laughs> they're going to, they're not going to go after me, buddy. And he's totally right. And like, so Linwood's like leading this one man campaign against Angel that like shows up, you know, in the drive-in, right? With his helicopter forces and shit. Like this is all Linwood. And it's just like, you want to throw some left field, just some, have some fight scenes. Linwood's on it. So just his petty vengeance against Angel plays out in the best way. I mean, not petty, like he was kidnapped. Like this this dude has some real stakes. It was a nice alternative to Layla, you know, where we've been, or Lila, excuse me. My pronunciations are horrible. I apologize. But Lila's... You know, there's some people who watch this podcast who have a suspicion you don't actually watch the episodes. You just read descriptions (laughs) and that's why your pronunciations are so bizarre. I mean that's a that's an accurate. <laughs> it is a strange recurring thing. Is this? Yeah, it's not like you're reading a book. <laughs> no, I just I write them down and then anyway. Uh, yeah, so Lila's. Um... But but don't worry. But she's not a best worst new character though. So. Right, she can't be. But yeah, Linwood is is kind of a fun character. I mean, he's not in very much, but. It is funny that like, you know, Wolfram and Hart is all about the long game, and they're constantly getting upset with Lila and others for like taking it personal and then it happens to the big boss and he like takes it more personal than any of them ever have right it just shows like what it's like dealing with like the higher ups right oh man I want to rebut this pronunciation comment so bad but that you made so (laughs) Giles 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 Giles. I think part of the problem is I think um I, you know, like this show is, you know, it's important to me to hang out with you guys, but watching this show is not the biggest priority. And often I put it off and I, or I make, or I watch it random <laughs> times in the day when I have time and then write comments and then forget pronunciations because uh, this is one of a million shows I'm watching during quarantine. And <laughs> like this last well, This isn't was... the most important thing on your to do list, Michael? No, I mean, I like, I love watching this show with you guys, but just like the pronunciation, I write down the character names and like, yeah, I should, I should re- be more responsible in my pronunciations here. But I just that's where they are in my brain. <laughs> it, it's totally fine, Michael, and completely charming. I mean, I think we took like six weeks to watch these eight episodes or whatever of Angel, because yeah. it's like these were this was a painful arc, and I could tell it was painful for all of you as well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right, so I'll I'll just wrap it up. I I thought the best new char- I thought there weren't a lot of good new characters because I wasn't counting Gru and blah 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 and all these other people. So for me, the little girl in the white room was the best of the lot. And I, I actually liked her performance, but that agreed to disagree with John, of course. And then the worst, of course, is Connor. So there were a ton of worsts. That's the problem. But Yeah, a lot of worsts. <laughs> uh, let's do best zoom in and enhance opportunity. And this is all John's. Uh, the only good zoom in and enhance opportunity I could find was, well, first of all, actually, there's the letter that Holtz gives to Connor. And you get the entire text on screen, but also it's read out loud, so no one cares. So I screenshotted that for nothing. This email that was sent to Lila, we've seen the uh, interface on the Wolfram and Heart Max before, is these wonderful little folders that say fun things like demon resources, things like that. We've seen all that before. But she gets an email uh, that she has to open with a spider. Which that is, was, that yeah, is also that was awesome. a great scene. I love the, like, that, that is awesome. Too, but too... I can read the email to you. It says, within the past several hours, agents from the paranormal 
Paranormal Disturbances Division, have been alerted to a bioplasmic infection originating from the premises of Angel Investigations. Not Angel Investigates, by the way. At this time, the exact nature of the infection is unknown. Preliminary psychic readings suggest that the disturbance to be a result of thomogenesis, possibly megatosis. Please see attached file for more detailed descriptions of these phenomena. Surveillance indicates that the employees of Angel Investigations have quarantined the premises in an attempt to prevent creatures, the creatures from reaching the general populace. So far, it appears they have been successful in their efforts. A surveillance team is monitoring the hotel and will provide regular updates to the situation as it developments as it develops. And then there's a link that says download attachment. So they're sending attachments and emails over there at Wolferman Hart, unlike my job, which says that if we do that, it's a security risk. <laughs> Awesome. Yep. Pretty boring. I did, <laughs> pretty much just I, what you already know is happening in the episode. It's just like, it's exposition for Lila's sake. Like a spider <laughs> is way better two-factor identification. <laughs> than... That was Two-factor arachnid. Yeah. She put the spider on the numpad though, so it makes you wonder if the password is all numbers. It totally is. That's the problem. It should have crawled across the whole keyboard. Yeah. Anyway, thanks, John. Let's do recommendations. Recommendations. Okay, so since Connor's a little shit on a psycho, uh, the good son with Mac Attack and Elijah Wood, I was thinking, "Oh, brother, where art thou?" For the Robert Johnson reference of like he's the you know the guy who sells his soul to the devil for music, like Gun did that did it for a truck. So, "Oh, brother, where art thou?" A recurrent. Two Elijah Wood movies in one recommendation section. Uh, the Faculty for the Dehydration Monsters and the Price. Um, that is such a good movie. It is super underrated. It's a Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, one of his best, I think. Yeah, it's definitely his first, his only real like studio movie. So after that, yeah. he like is doing totally his own thing. Is doing Troublemaker Studio. So Resident Evil for the evil little girl. Throughout every Resident Evil movie, there's the CG evil little girl trying to kill them. I could not figure out what the movie they were watching at the drive-in was, if it's a real movie at all. I didn't see any humans. I just saw, like, it looked like it was, like, just, like, test shots of blowing up, like, army stuff, which (laughs) could be good props for a real movie. I don't know. It's like that Simpsons joke about the stock footage festival. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I wanted, since, since, okay, we had our first tree monster. And as people know me, people who know me know I really like plant monsters in general. So I went through, this is a non-exhaustive list of plant monsters in comics and movies. I decided not to do video games because that's a whole other thing. And I also decided no fungus monsters. We got Ents, Swamp Thing, Jason Woodrue, Man Thing, Krakawa, the island that walks like a man, The Heap, Groot, Bog the Swamp Demon, The Parliament of Trees, Triffids, Audrey 2, obviously. The Vines from the Ruins. Dr. Bushroot from Darkwing Duck. Biolantes. Little Odic. The Thing that the thing from Another World. The Trees and Evil Dead. Killer Tomatoes. Tabonga. The Pod People. Let's see. Sagaha from Lovecraft. The Green Thing. Taboo. The Thing from the Murky Swamp. Mandrake Roots. The Weeping Willow. Juron. The Mammoth Flower from Ultra Q and Ultraman. Oblivion Moss from D&D. And finally, the kite-eating tree. So, there you go. Those <laughs> are you. all wrecks. That's probably the only time that uh, Jan Schmackmeyer has been on the same list as Darkwing Duck. <laughs> so if you like plant monsters, those are the wrecks for that. 
Anyone else have any uh, recs? All right, then let's do. Can't top that. Let's go on to rants. Let's start ranting, folks. I'll start us off. This bothers me. This I maybe should have brought this up before, but Angel, you know, being Liam, being Irish, naming his son Connor, totally normal Irish name. Probably would have named him Connor with one N, though. It's a very minor thing, but you know, he's not. I guess he's pretty Americanized. I guess. Anyway, okay. And the whole, this is just a Joss Whedon thing in general, but the whole, like, portal obsession this season has, every season of Angel and Buffy always has portal obsession, but, like, this thing of, like, it's not a portal, it's a, like, a tear, like, it's just, like, that's a fucking different thing, like, <laughs> I don't care, <laughs> and I don't know, just the obsession with, like, opening up dimensions is so, like, maybe I've just, I've seen it too much and I've burned out on it, but also, like, yeah. like, and the the show knows this. They they know Angel's gone mad, right? But like Angel is essentially doing what every Buffy big bad does, right? Opens up a dimension portal. That's what Evil Angel did. That's what the Master did, and that's what Glory did. Like I don't know. I know it's like it's a thing of like just this is how far Angel's gone, but somebody should have stopped him. They should have cut his hands off or something. This is not something you treat lightly in this world of magic. Dude, I I had I wouldn't have known, of course, that the portal thing is a thing, but it is a thing. Oh my god, that's such I mean, an awesome. I feel like I'm on the inside now of this. You know, <laughs> what does Whedon like to do? Whedon even drags it into his superhero movies. Both the Justice League yeah. and Avengers were about opening portals, right? Yeah. <laughs> portals. Yeah. It is played out. You're right. We got to bring that hell dimension to here. Got to get it. Make yeah. it here. It was also the um, climax of the. Star Trek Picard, and it was really bad. Oh, yeah. It didn't work at all. It was terrible. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just angry that that show is not good. <laughs> that's, a different, that's a different rant section. I though. know. Yeah, a different rant. Yeah, just okay. throw insert Star Trek rants whenever you please. <laughs> I'm, I'm used to this. I wish I could. Unfortunately, I, like, I didn't even... Uh, so my rant here is... It's not even so much that, like... Like, I'm kind of annoyed this is even my rant, because my rant is that the having Angel and Cordelia as a couple is dumb. But, like... Like, my rant is basically, like, there's nothing interesting in this season of Angel that makes me want to have a rant about it. Like, there's nothing that, like, usually on this show, we you, we do Angel episodes. Like, I have something fun to talk about and uh, something that I can get worked up about. But the most I can talk about is that I think Angel and Cordelia is just, like, really uncompelling and boring. <laughs> it feels like they're putting these two characters together because it's the most prominent woman on the show and the most prominent man on the show. So they just have to make out is what it feels like. I know that they've been they've been planting the seeds of it forever and, like, building up to it. But I've never bought it. I don't know if it's because the actors don't have the chemistry. I don't know if it's because it just seems like Angel is serially dating women from the same high school class, and that seems gross. Uh, or you know, hey, like the older they get, the less gross it becomes. Um, <laughs> I like. Kate I feel better. like I really liked Angel Cordelia in the first in Angel season three part two. Yeah. I liked that version of it better than what's happening now. What do you but mean, like, like, we, like which, like which version of it, like which episode? Well, the were like those? the te- the tension they had of like while they're fighting, while they're practicing right. sword fighting, and they're like, you know, you guys are whatever that paleo word is, and right. the magic romance they get in the ballerina episode, I think, is nice. It's yeah, I feel like this is something that we're gonna have to talk about next season with like what happens to Cordelia, and like the Angel Cordelia thing is like only a symptom of like that. Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah. Well, I mean. 
but you got those brilliant like the Lorne and Grusalog like montage going that cutting was back cool. and forth. Yeah, that weird while they're between both those advising two, yeah. Angel and Cordelia to date each other. Like that was awesome and so unexpectedly crazy, finishing yeah. each other's sentences, giving the I same advice. I like to think of like, like these emotionally like empath- empathetic humans or. Uh, p- characters neither of them are human like having to describe to emotionally cut off people the emotions that they are feeling <laughs> yeah i just uh, i don't know i just feel like i wish I'm, they didn't have to make cordelia blonde for it to happen <laughs> that, that, that's definitely dumb i feel like i don't know it doesn't it just it just i can't get past the fact that it just feels like neither of them are actually that into each other it just feels like a default there's nothing about Angel's character that feels like a compliment or a response to Cordelia's character or vice versa and I just it gives me the mez really bad <laughs> I, I totally agree with your point about if it had taken place earlier in season 3 it'd be more believable but then didn't like real life Cordelia have a baby and so they came yes. up with this idea to take her off the show right? She's still yeah they took her off the show for 3 episodes but she's still pregnant. I don't... Oh, okay. I don't know what the... Yeah. So they need to take her off the show so she can have a baby. And they can deal with that problem. And it's not Angel's baby. Because <laughs> the timing was off, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, this happened on another David Boreanaz show where in Bones, Bones and David Boreanaz get together incredibly... After like not touching each other for like five, six seasons, they all of a sudden become like fucking married because Emily Deschanel gets real life pregnant so they like the whole like we're building onto this romance incredibly slowly until we're not (laughs) well yeah my rant here is about okay so in the couplet episode you know Fred and Gunn discover this evil tree they're kidnapped by it and Angel comes to their rescue and like the tree pierces Angel's heart so the tree is made of wood right and if magic wood (laughs) He said, they, they, they said that specifically as a line of dialogue to hand wave around that right before that where he's like, it's not made of wood, is it? And they're like, no, it looks like wood, but it's flesh. They say that. Oh, yeah. There's a specific no, I, line of dialogue. To I, I agree, Michael. Michael. It's dumb. It's, I agree. <laughs> okay. That's part of why I don't like that tree monster. There's actually, um, there's a Vampirella comic where there's a tree monster that the whole bit, the tree vampire, the whole bit is like wooden stakes. Right. I don't know. Well, it pushes I, some nice body horror buttons for me that there's I this like thing that looks monster. like wood, but it's really flesh. That's that gives me the creeps It reminded in a nice me way. too much of when Riley stabbed Spike in the heart and then he's like, "It looks like wood, right?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's the the point of it is to play with a trope and like in in have some have some fun and invert your expectations so they can do things that you can't really do. Like I totally get the why of it. I guess it's just like the the tree stabs Angel in the heart and rather than kill Angel, Angel kills the tree because he's such a soulless asshole. That the tree dies from stabbing him, which is crazy. But like, I'm I'm happy. I'm fine with the weirdness of it. It's just the no. I guess I'm not fine because I'm ranting, right? Because I, I was just so ups- <laughs> just the ups- I was a little bit upset by it because it felt like we have some basic rules it's and they cheap. just yeah. they just hand I guess hand waved it away. Yeah, I'm gonna hand wave away that episode. <laughs> Couplet. Okay, so my observation or my rant is that the hotel is so mismanaged because there's all these places where the hotel where there's electrical and water on, but you don't have water on and electrical on in rooms that you're not going to use. Seriously. So that's number one. Number two, 
the idea that there is a full pool underneath a a a, a with wooden, water in it with water that's impossible <laughs> you have to keep filling up a pool like if it was a septic <laughs> tank or like a water reservoir but it wouldn't just be like the top would just not be open you would have water damage and mold and like that's just not how buildings work <laughs> or the or you can't also just like let one one room burn down and just be like ah we'll deal with it later <laughs> yeah and that also that's not how floors work you know, you know you can't fire you can't just, go through walls it's not a ghost <laughs> but you can't just chop into a floor and there's no subfloor and it and it <laughs> There was also the pool is under the dance floor. So is that the is that where they shot uh, "It's a Wonderful Life"? Oh, nice, nice reference. I didn't get it. So, so I was just so frustrated with the with the hotel being totally mismanaged, and that's so frustrating, and it still is. Yeah. Um, Well, they should have really put Lauren to work running the the real hotel. You know, that would have been an amazing season four. They're trying to run a hotel, and they're trying to find their the owner. They probably have some court date where they where they gotta like show up and like you know, but they don't have angels, so they gotta put someone in a costume. Oh man, <laughs> I mean, angel. It, oh, that'd be great. I mean, the absurdity uh, of having an entire hotel and instead of running it as a hotel, you run it as a detective agency is crazy, right? Like yeah. you have this hotel with all these rooms. It doesn't seem hard to just run a hotel, but uh, you know what? I'm on a detective agency instead. Yeah, I, I love the mismanaging thing. Travis, you're like triggering me. This is like my season one, season two rant. So I think we're all about the hotel kind of, well, I guess season two, right? Because the hotel's really a season yeah. two thing. But like, yeah, I remember ranting and going crazy about how the hotel was managed and then getting so excited because Park was going after the fucking, like their- Their license. Yeah, their lease. Yeah, their yeah, their licenses and leases. Yeah. And another thing is, is they essentially repaint the, the room that was going to be destroyed. The, the Connor's room that had the fire in it, the same purple- I mean, it makes sense for Angel to want to repaint the room the same color because he's in denial about Connor being gone. But it's also, also, as as their friends, you should not make your friend repaint the, their their child's room who just was abducted a week ago. <laughs> that, that's a terrible friend. That's not that's being not being good at friends. <laughs> right. That's, that yeah. was awful. They were terrible support. <laughs> they were terrible, terrible supportive friends. They should have gotten a bunch of instant lotto tickets. That's what they should have done. <laughs> Nothing heals like that. No. And finally, my rant is, I love any scene where someone looks at another person and they just say, we got to turn the power off. And it's this, it's this amazing, it's this amazing Promethean trigger. There's something deeply human about losing fire and losing light that I'm, I'm realizing that's what, I think that's what these movies are tapping into, a fear of the darkness that is sort of innate human nature. But it's great when, when Angel looks at Gunn and he's like forcing him down there like alone to turn off the, off the power. And like all the movies turning off the power makes the most amazing chunk sound in your life and it really doesn't do that the only thing that makes a really good chunk sound is when you have to like flip a switch but on like an electrical panel but i can't imagine that that you get a real good chunk sound flipping that flipping that big switch but man there's something there's something real primal about turning off the power that just triggers me in just an amazing way awesome I love why, it. Why are you laughing so much? You don't like it when someone has to turn off the power? He's got the power! <laughs> I was thinking about the turning the power back on scene in Jurassic Park 
Like, yeah. Well, they're both good. I mean, like, I could watch, like, loops of that. <laughs> I would love to watch a super cut of all the p- turning power off or turning power on scenes if you could, like, cut them together between a bunch of movies. Yeah, super cuts. Well, tell you what, I'm enjoying, one of the things I do enjoy about watching James Bond movies is he does flip a lot of switches in the last act. That's like his thing. (laughs) (laughs) Or he plants an explosive, but sometimes he flips a big switch. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, Moonraker. Moonraker's freaking awesome, anyway. (laughs) I love Moonraker. Why don't we move on to predictions? Virgin Predictions. Okie dokie. John, I have not looked at the stock at all. Uh, oh, you haven't? No. So that's not you? You're not the one who highlighted line 112? No. It must have been me on accident? It's the it's the other Dennis, the one that's a ghost. <laughs> okay. So that, okay. Because uh, somebody highlighted Ken will not reappear, will not appear again. Ken being the demon from the episode Anne. I was like, is he in here somewhere? What did I miss? <laughs> I thought Dennis had some like inside scoop. Uh, okay. All right. Give me a second here then. Let's look at some stats. Okay. Michael, we sit here between season six and season seven by Buffy Reckoning. You currently stand at a 64.55 in overall accuracy, and we do not track Angel season by season, so there is no second number to say there. So let's see what we can do with that. There's quite a few predictions to talk about here, starting with going all the way back to the second time we ever did Angel, Angel season one, part two, you predicted there is a portal to an evil dimension at Wolferman Heart. I think we probably could have addressed this one, uh, unless this was that what you're talking about i'm not sure where angel takes the portal and it's just earth he takes the portal to hell and it's just earth but this time we take the elevator up and uh, it goes to the the white void which i think is basically another dimension at yeah that point so i think we can go ahead and uh, confirm this one one way or the other sweet yep so this is angel season three part three okay i guess more portal predictions obviously in retrospect angel season two part two you predicted, Michael, that Wesley will get a new, quote, enhanced girlfriend, which could mean demons, supernatural powers, etc. My question is, does Lila constitute a girlfriend and does she constitute being enhanced? I think probably it's both, no on both counts, but I thought I'd bring it up. Um, I don't think she's a girlfriend, but she could count as enhanced because she's just got access to like almost unlimited powers, right? Right. She's got the password spider. Yeah. Yeah. If they do um, become boyfriend, girlfriend, then... Yeah. Okay, so we'll have to we'll have to kind of like keep an eye on this situation and, and then maybe check back in with this this prediction. Okay, so Angel season two part three, you predicted that Angel is going to get more sun in season three. <laughs> uh, there's a scene here where uh, uh, Connor is running away, Angel chases after him, and then he's like, "Oh no, I can't go out because it's the autumn in the sun." But he totally fully runs into the sun <laughs> for a second, and there's no consequences. So I think that one's confirmed. Oh for sure. man. <laughs> They're so done with uh, also that. Also in Angel problem. Season. <laughs> you also predicted that Lindsay is going to run Wolferman Hart. Listen to the hand <laughs> in Season 3. That is denied. Lindsay doesn't do anything. Is really he uh, Wolferman Hart. Yep. Okay. You predicted, as a super prediction, that Winnie 
which I think is Fred, yeah. uh, will date Wesley in season three. I like how you like predicted a different nickname for her also. Yeah. <laughs> That's a so double that denied. denied. She did not date Wesley in season three. At the beginning of this season, you predicted that Cordelia is going to have a badass fight moment. Oh, it says in season five. Sorry, I didn't realize that. So I guess we can't deal with that yet because season five hasn't happened. I don't know why you're making predictions specifically for season five, like two seasons ahead of time. But I, I don't. Re- I think this might have been missed. Not for me to judge. I, this might be a mistyped, John, because I, I feel like I wouldn't have predicted for season five. That seems. Yeah, and you have the second one here. Also says in season five. I, I'm. Are you looking at? Uh, yeah, I'm looking at those five? two. I bet yeah. this is season 46, three. Right. Are those meant to be season three? I'm not sure how that happened. Oh, probably. Because we were on Buffy season, were we on Buffy season five? We were on five? season three at the time, at the beginning of season yeah. three. I'm sure I we'll just be... wrote the wrong number. Okay. I'm sure those are for season three. Okay. Yeah, well, We'll sense. just go ahead and say that then. I'll go ahead and change history here. Okay. All right. So, okay. <laughs> so you predicted, Michael, that Cordelia is going to have a badass fight moment in season three. I think that you could kind of count when she's attacked by Connor and she dissolves his knife with glowing white energy. That seems pretty badass. Yeah, that's pretty I badass. Think I think we can count that. So I think we're going to go ahead and give you the points there. You also predicted, this one's a little bit more dicey, but I definitely want to touch on it. Gunn will have a Michelangelo moment in season three. He will say cowabunga and or be overexcited about pizza. I mainly just want to continue to talk about this one. Uh, This one came up because I had noticed that Angel is coded blue in the show's intro because he's a Leonardo. And Fred is coded purple because she's definitely the Donatello, but the pattern doesn't really continue from there. So we were trying to figure out if Gunn, because he's he's coded orange, if he's the Michelangelo of the group somehow. He there is a lot of food things with him. He is like really jazzed about like um, popcorn, watering food, and yeah, the popcorn. And there's like they like I don't know if you noticed on on their like their like date to end all dates that, that he takes Fred on that like he orders them each a massive pile of chicken wings like they each have a plate of like 30 wings <laughs> so like is that a is that a Michelangelo moment well I should have said overexcited about food and not been specific to pizza but uh because yeah. obviously dude loves food loves that his girlfriend likes food did Michelangelo was he just generally enthusiastic because he's a party dude. Because remember, he's a party when, dude. Me- remember yeah. when Gunn went to the ballet, he's, he said, or Angel was like, man, you'll be tripping about how cool these guys are. And, and, he, and Gunn says, no, don't talk like that. You, 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 lost, you lost the trust. And then later on, he's like, man, these guys are tripping or something. Remember? <laughs> he was all like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. Like, I couldn't yeah. tell if that was like a Michelangelo vibe. I think this is one I'm going to keep open, probably. I think this is probably... I, I feel like the bar needs to be a slightly higher. Yeah, I feel like we need to... Well, it's denied, though, because I said season three, right? So, like, it's just denied. True. Oh, that's supposed to be season three. Yeah. So the question is, you're right. The question is, yeah, what happened in season three that was the most Michelangelo thing he did? And I think it's probably eating a lot of food. I mean, I, I'm going to re-predict that one with Gunn will be overexcited about food in season four. Right. Yeah, make it more specific. I think the Michelangelo thing is like, like, because I'm also then like, okay, is like getting a truck Michelangelo like? I'm like, no, that's more Donatello to like, yeah, get pumped about the machinery. Uh, so this one's denied then? I think so. Okay. It's unfortunate because it feels like a near miss. But what are we going to do? Okay. So, Angel Season 3 Part 2, you predicted the following things. You predicted that uh, we will see grown-up Connor before Season 4. And so we have. Ugh. I thought that was... Uh, that was I remember when you predicted that when we were like, wow, that's uh, pretty good. There's no you way he was going to be a babysitter 
for that for however many years this show is. <laughs> that felt insane. I didn't know how he's going to grow up, but he's going to grow up somehow. Like whether they just montage to the future or what. But uh, you predicted Cordelia won't give her visions away in season three. Correct. You predicted that Holtz will fight against Wolfram and Hart in season three. Is there a moment where that happens? There is, right? Yeah. 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 So that's confirmed. This is three confirmations in a row here, man. Yeah. And then you predicted that Skip will return because he's so much fun. Also confirmed. Four in a row. Okay. Uh, Wolfram and Hart will kidnap Connor in season three. And here the streak ends because they don't. But they steal his blood when he's in the hospital. I mean, they <laughs> that's, they kidnap his blood. That's not uh, the same as kidnapping him. Yeah, and they don't even make get... an attempt at Teen Connor, really. No, no, they do. Remember, that's the very end when they all have those guns pointed. Oh, the Teen Connor, they did try. They tried to adopt him at the movie theater. I mean, they try to, like, kill him, right? They're not trying to kidnap him. Well, okay. And then finally, we have a super prediction, which is that Holtz will be killed off by the end of season three. And so he has. So that's a super confirmation. No way he was Okey making it through dokey. season three. We all saw that writing on the wall. <laughs> all right, I got some new predictions. One, I, uh, one second, I w- let me give you your updates on your stats. Your overall accuracy has therefore risen to a 64.4. Great, new predictions here. I am not going to predict that Holtz will become Sajin in season four. I, I thought that for a bit, but I, I no longer think that's true. I think Holtz is going to be dead. All right. Angel will not punish Connor for locking up in a box and putting him underwater. I think Angel will forgive him. So I think there's... He's still his son. I think Fred will build a device that allows her and Gunn to travel underwater. Uh, hmm. Let me change that. Fred will build a device that will allow her to rescue Angel. Let me just make it that. The, the traveling part may be the mistake. Allows them to... Uh, allows her to rescue Angel. Traveling underwater. I like this idea, though, of them traveling underwater. Yeah. If only somebody had invented some sort of underwater vehicle. Yeah, Gun would just steal it. Or make <laughs> a deal a with the devil. This DSV crossover. <laughs> Dude, that needs fan fiction. Okay, Gun will be overexcited about food in season four of Angel. Generic, good. Gru is gone, doesn't reappear in season four. We're done with Grusselug. My super, Wesley and Lila have sex in season four. <laughs> Again. That That is a recurring uh, nightmare that they're both in now. It's like a Spike Buffy situation. Both hate each other, but they got to keep doing it for reasons. Maybe it'll get more serious, but uh, Wesley and Lila, the Spike and Buffy of Angel. All right, guys. Good job, Mike. <laughs> Thanks. I've been your host, Dennis St. John. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Dennis Comics. That's D-E-N-I-S-C-O-M-I-X. That is also my dot com where you can see my mini comics, my monster books, my dinosaur zines, all that stuff. So I want to say thank you one and all for listening and talking to us at Buffy Virgin. Don't forget to rate us and we hope you're subscribing. You can watch us on YouTube. Our Twitter is at Buffy Virgin Pod and Instagram is Buffy Virgin. Reach out. We love to hear from you and we'll see you in hell.